Hello, plantpreneurs, and welcome to Series 3 of the Plant-Based Business Podcast, brought to you by us here at Feevolution. I'm Damien Clarkson, your co-host and co-founder at Feevolution, where right now we're busy building a new home of plant-based innovators. On this show, each week we explore what it takes to create and scale a plant-based business, and we do this with the best and brightest entrepreneurs and investors who are busy building solutions for a better world. This week, my co-host Judy and I caught up with Jody Monell, founder and CEO of Live Kindly, a board member of Live Kindly Co. Live Kindly Media started at a very similar time to Feevolution and has gone on to become one of the sector's best known and loved brands. Now as part of the Live Kindly Co, their ambitions are huge as they set about rapidly growing the plant-based movement. In this discussion, we cover scaling a media brand, mission behind Live Kindly, being a sole female founder, fundraising journey of Live Kindly Media and eventually the acquisition of Live Kindly Media and much more. We love catching up with Jodie and hearing about the big plans for growth of Live Kindly Media and Live Kindly Co. So sit back and enjoy. How are you doing Jodie? I'm good thanks, happy to be here. Great, um, so look there's been lots going on with Live Kindly Media and Live Kindly Company so we're really excited to dig into your story and how you've been involved in such a great success story. So in this podcast, we quite often like to start at the beginning. So tell us a bit about you growing up and were you always interested in entrepreneurship? Interesting that you asked that because I, I think that I've been kind of reflecting on that kind of personally, you know, during you know the last couple of months of, of lockdown and everything, you know, have, you have a lot more time to think <laughs> about things. And yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking about what brought me here and, um, you know, whether that was something that was just part of my personality or, and I really think it's, you know, me not wanting to conform to authority. <laughs> I always hated having a boss and I just always wanted to kind of do my own thing. And I had a lot of jobs that I really enjoyed, but I never got the satisfaction from from just doing that because I always had so many other things that I wanted to be doing or had more interest in. And yeah, it was something that, that took me quite a long time. And it wasn't really until I became vegan and became more active in, you know, wanting to to really kind of make a difference and an impact here that those things came together and, and my skills from my previous job and my passion for wanting to make a difference in, in this movement really kind of aligned and allowed me to express myself in, as an entrepreneur. So I would say an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> that's exactly like us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us about the early days of Live Kindly and like what were your initial kind of um, expectations of it and like what did you, um, yeah, what did you expect to kind of gain out of it when you first started? You know what, it was, I don't think I actually even had that that much thought around it. It was more kind of like, I had just moved to Vancouver in, in, in Canada and I was working for a small kind of like VC startup. So I was I was there and I was working in the, the I was the marketing director there and I would see all of these kind of like amazing startups and these entrepreneurs coming in and, you know, beginning their own business and so happy and excited and passionate about, you know, what they were building. And so I would see a lot of that and I would feel very inspired by it. And I while I enjoyed my job and I think it was really helpful for me to learn from from that experience there and learn a bit about, you know, how VC funding works and all of that kind of stuff. You know, for me, I just didn't feel completely fulfilled. And so it was more like a sideline hobby, I would say. So, you know, I would go home after work and, you know, at, at the same time, you know, to, to add a bit more context to that, I 
was trying to find my place within veganism. And there was a big kind of like animal rights activist group there that I was partially involved in or like dipping my toe in as I was trying to build friendships in, in the new city that I had moved into. I guess the traditional method of activism didn't really fit with me. I didn't want to spend my time outside of slaughterhouses. I think that the those people that do that are, are doing an amazing job at, at really highlighting, you know, what is wrong with our food system and we need people out there doing that. For me, I think that, you know, I wanted to create an impact where I could see see reach and and build that kind of globally. I didn't really kind of think it through at the time that that's what I was um, wanting, but I wanted to do something bigger. That's all I knew. I would see kind of like these people standing outside a very small slaughterhouse and all I could think is like this, this problem is so much bigger than this one individual slaughterhouse. You might get that one closed, but you know, on the grand scheme of things, I I don't know what impact that is going to create. And like I said, like uh, there's a lot of value in, in, animal rights activists who, who do this and I think we do need that as part of a, a collective of, of this uh, this mission to make a change this is definitely a, a huge part of that um, but it wasn't where I felt that I was going to to be most valuable and so there was that you know career-wise combined with you know my my passion for wanting to do something and create more of an impact in, in the vegan movement. And so it all kind of came together so I would go home, home after work and I was like okay what am I good at it's I worked in social media and marketing, and this is, you know, where I, I guess I could apply most value with my, with my skill set. And so I reached out to a few people online um, who helped me build the website and create content for free. Um, and this is all kind of like a very condensed version of the story, but it was amazing to see, you know, people who are so passionate about wanting to to be involved in something like this that you know, it was more of a passion project. And so it wasn't me starting a business. And it was just a group of people that really wanted to to create a change and to be involved in, in just a, a fun kind of project. I ended up kind of like building off from that as I was, you know, doing my full time job. And, and it just grew really fast, like faster than expected. And, and the reason that they started Live Kindly was because for me, when I went vegan, there was I couldn't find any resources out there was that was like a, a hub um, that had all of this information in one space and that really spoke to people who were new to this environment. And, and I didn't find anything that was positive or solution focused or really inspired me. The reason that I went vegan was because I felt bad about a lot of things. And yes, I do think that that does inspire a lot of change for, for many people. Um, but, you know, it, I, th I think that sustainable change often comes from people feeling empowered to be able to make a difference. And I just couldn't find anything out, out there online that really made me feel that way that was really what I was trying to kind of refine and in what we were doing, like let's highlight the impact that we are creating that an individual can create by making these kind of small conscious decisions. And, um, and I think that the name Live Kindly as well is something that really kind of helped us grow a bit because it feels inclusive and it doesn't judge people, it meets people where they're at. And, um, and this is kind of what we've been working on and continuing to, to refine since then. And and yeah, I was very lucky, I think, that we got a bit of capital investment because of because of the, you know my current role at the time. And um, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. And I was thrown into to, to running an actual business. And that was the scariest thing ever. <laughs> and it's still kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. 
something I'm really interested in. So obviously you were working at the VC, you had an interest in social media marketing as part of your job, and then you started Live Kindly, you start getting a bit of traction. Was there like a particular day or event that happened that kind of just said, look, I'm, got, I'm gonna get the funding for this business now and I'm gonna do this full time. Do you remember if there was a particular moment? The whole process was very surreal. And I think probably unlike many people's experiences when it comes to fundraising, you know, I we had great traction. I think we had um, at the time 20,000 new followers on Facebook within the space of a month, all organic. I mean, obviously we had no money or anything. And I had a good relationship with with my boss. And so he kind of knew that I was doing this kind of passion project at the same time as working. So I would show him and he wasn't vegan at all, but he was very curious about this. And I would always be banging on to him about, you know, when you can invest in Beyond Meat, you need to do this. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm sure he regrets not doing it now. So. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was like very kind of like not educated about veganism or plant-based and, but he could see that, obviously people were and so he was very curious about it and and as a VC he would he would invest in very kind of like small startups super high risk and and so for him I think that he he actually approached me about it I wasn't even thinking about funding I think that it was for for me it was something that I was going to self-fund and I actually put all of my money into it at the time um to get to to a certain point because there were certain things that I, I needed to to buy and, and start kind of paying people obviously as they started to turn this into a, a job themselves but yeah no I, I didn't it didn't go through the the typical process of like putting together a business plan and pitching it was just you know he could see the traction and he kind of just offered and I was just in the right space at the right time and had that relationship with him and and so that 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 was um you know a pretty small amount but for me it was it was huge I mean it was bigger than my salary so it was kind of very surreal I remember feeling very shaky when I was signing the contract and thinking what am I getting myself into this is all crazy I mean a very small capital injection just doesn't last as long as you're gonna think it does (laughs) especially And uh, the interesting thing is that, again, like, I don't think I went through the, the traditional process in the second round of funding, because again, I, I realized I was running out of money. And it was very surreal. I had a message on LinkedIn from from a, a vegan investment group, who just said, hey, are you interested in, 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 in some investment? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this couldn't come at a better time because, yeah, I'm about to run out of money and I obviously hadn't planned for, for anything going forward. For some reason, I just assumed that, you know, that my, my my current boss at the time would continue to fund what we were doing. And I really had no experience with, you know, uh, what to expect with things like this. And so, so yes, the the, the vegan investment group then, uh, then did invest a larger amount and then have continued to uh, to kind of support us since then. And then obviously we've, we've actually been, acquired as of uh, February this year um, as part of that collective but it's called the Live Kindly Collective now so they took on our name and uh, so we're Live Kindly there, Live Kindly Collective and it's yeah it's, it's very weird to actually even speak about this <laughs> because yeah. it, it still hasn't hit home for me for me either so yeah it's um it's been a journey. We'll come on to talk about that because that's in- incredible it's been an incredible journey clearly to get to that point and it sounds like you just had to learn on the job really like organically as, as you yes. went. 
And it also sounds amazing that in the early days, it was like yourself and you had a couple of people helping you. You didn't have big budgets. Like, how did you go about, you know, say you said you had 20,000, um, you know, kind of followers on Facebook. How did you go about, you know, starting to gain that traction and build that community from the beginning? Yeah, so um, so it was a, it was an interesting process because, um, Damien, as you said, like I very much kind of like learned as I was going. And so whilst I had, you know, certain experiences from working in social media before in, in my previous roles and in marketing, like I had a basic understanding, but growing a community is not something I'd ever done before. And so it was really a lot of uh, intuition, I would say, and a lot of time and obsession and dedication to just really kind of like make sure that I was like learning and observing and seeing what performed well, what didn't perform well, and also kind of changing with the times. And, and But really kind of listening to the community and listening to feedback, I think, is just so important because while you're not going to make everyone happy, you know, I think the most important thing is, is that you are seeing what people are engaging with, what people care about, what they're passionate about, what they want to have a conversation about. And so when we put content out there, sometimes it can be polarizing. But the most important thing for me is that we actually have a platform where there's a dialogue happening and people can have these disagreements and, and whatever it is. But it's like we need to be talking about these issues. And so with the content that we're producing, we really we really kind of want to, to invite that that kind of like that harness that community because people are just not speaking about certain things or if they are it's not in a way that I think is always the most productive way of doing it and so my advice I think for anyone wanting to build a community or wanting to build a brand digitally um, I, I would say that community is the best way to go to listen to your community and think about who your target audience target market is and really learn from them and then obviously, you know, it is essential that you obviously learn about the individual platforms and make sure that you adjust the content to that as well. That takes, you know, a lot of a lot of kind of dedication to to make sure that you're always on top of things like algorithms. And, you know, as each individual platform operates so differently. I, I really believe that like this space is, is just so nuanced. It's like it's important that you create content that has value and meaning. And if you're creating content for the sake of creating content to put online, you know, people see through that. It's, I think that, um, you know, brands are now upheld to a very kind of like high standard. And so you need a lot of transparency and you really need to care about your community. And so, you know, if you don't do that, it is, it becomes very clear. And this is when I think that brands start to struggle with, uh, with that organic reach. It'd be really interesting to hear maybe a bit about like how you went about like monetizing, you know, the company as well. Because I think when you've got a community, it's sometimes you it's hard to sometimes kind of, you know, ha like think of the business side, I think, because you've obviously got such a core that you want to kind of support this community and you're, you know, want to protect this community. But it's really important, as, obviously, as a company to monetize and to, to kind of grow as a company. And how did you find that like in the early days? And obviously that like, you've done incredible, you've done incredibly well. And like, Damon, so we'll go on to talking about um, they've kind of been acquired but how did you find that in the early days and kind of going forwards for me bringing my experience in, in working in digital publishing and, and ad sales myself I, I'd seen how you know some of the BBC magazines had done it online and, and also in print um, and, and try to apply some of my knowledge in terms of you know how that works in, in publishing but also being very mindful of our community at the same time and thinking you know okay, so how can we do this in a way that is going to create value for, for our audience and not take away from that? And so 
the, the approach that we had really is, is working with mission aligned brands or brands that, um, you know, are entering the plant-based market or doing something sustainable and being a platform to really shine a light on, on this kind of stuff, because I mean, there are, there are so many startups that, that need amplification that need more visibility um, and likewise, with a lot of the larger brands that are kind of entering this market, yes, maybe they are doing it to create a profit, but actually, you know, with, with Live Kindly, our target market is that flexitarian or, or plant curious audience. And we want to introduce them to as many sustainable or ethical products as possible. And I think now we're at a stage where, you know, um, since the acquisition, we've been able to bring on more talent that have more experience and can really kind of, you know, grow and flourish in, in, in this area and continue to accelerate the monetization side of things. And we'll continue to have that ethos as we continue to grow as well. That's not going to change. But you know, hopefully we can do that with much bigger impact with much bigger brands, but also still support the smaller ones too. So, you know, I, I think it's just when something is beneficial for all that, it, it, yeah, it really kind of helps solidify that this is the right direction to go as a business. And, and we wouldn't be here if we couldn't do that. So. Yeah, I agree. It's really nice, nice to hear. One of the things I find is always a struggle for founders. And, you know, I think we've struggled for ourselves is, knowing where to deploy your resources in terms of like expenditure with early stage funding rounds. Was there any places where you spent money and you're like, this was just 100% the right thing? Or was there any mistakes you made maybe of hindsight and said, thought maybe I should have spent my money elsewhere? Do you have any advice for people who maybe have just closed an early round and they're, and they're looking to create the most impact possible for their business, whether it's a product or a service? There's nothing really that stands out to me, um, you know, with with spending too much money in in any um, in any kind of way that I would regret or anything. But there were definitely certain things that I would say that, you know, I did and I tested and it didn't work. Um, but I think that that's essential. Like you, you kind of need to test the water and dip your toe in and, and experiment with stuff because then you this helps you find the right path as well. And so, yeah, there are certain things which I, I remember I, I spent quite a bit of money on some content production and it didn't perform as well as I hoped it to. And then, you know, you sometimes then see something that you really didn't spend as much time on and it skyrockets. So it's like, it's really just, it's it's all like huge learning opportunities. And, and I think, you know, as long as, as long as you spend you know, overall with caution and you realize that there is a certain risk involved if you if you do spend, you know, a bit more than you would typically on something, um, then generally just, yeah, you, you kind of just have to kind of suck it up and deal with the consequences. And I just think that for me, I never made any any decisions that were too risky, but at the same time, I think it's always important to take a risk. And so just navigating that balance is something that, um, yeah, I think that I'm I'm really kind of happy that that I managed to do because I think also if you don't take these risks and this is you're going to not grow as well. So I'm I'm very very lucky to to not be handling that side of things anymore because I think there are people who are well way more equipped than I am to kind of manage budgets. But it was definitely a great learning experience and and I would definitely say that it's something to be mindful of if if you've kind of raised your you know first round of, of money just. Be very cautious and make sure you always have that safety net before you make any big decisions. 
Yeah, you've got to treat every penny like it's your last. And, yes. You know, but, but at the same time, simultaneously have this growth mindset where you are able to take risks because, I, you know, it's very easy, I think, for founders to raise a small round and then just, you know, you, you run payroll every month and you see the just go down and down yeah. and down. And then before you know it, like, oh, my God, we're running out of money, can't spend anything. But, you know, actually spending a bit more and shortening your runway may actually fuel the growth you need, you know, to get to the next milestone, whether that be a fundraising round or, you know, sales target you're chasing after. So it's a really got to walk a tightrope <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> did you, that's really interesting, like talking about, because obviously you are the sole founder. Like, did you ever think about bringing somebody in or did you, was, did you always feel comfortable just kind of being the sole founder? Yeah, I, I think there, there were occasions where I was thinking, you know, it, it would be worth having someone. I would say I've kind of worked in, in tandem and, and have had kind of partnerships. But, you know, for me, I think that I'm too much of a control freak to, <laughs> to really like give the compromise. So I really I had such a clear vision. Obviously, I didn't have a vision to build the business, but I had a very clear vision for what I wanted Live Kindly to be and to represent and to have that that compromise or that discussion with someone else was just not something I was open to. Yeah. So, yeah, it would always kind of boil down to that. And, and that's why I kind of stayed alone. So. Yeah. And did you did you did like investors when you were kind of going for your investments around, did they ever kind of bring that up? Because I know from like our like community, you know, if there is a sole founder, they sometimes they feel like they need to look for a co-founder for, for the kind of that purpose because feedback from certain investors, because some people like co-founders. Did you ever get that sort of feedback or was it not an issue? No, I don't think it was ever really an issue. Um you know, I, I think that it was always important for them to to see who else was obviously on the team and that, you know, I had support there. Um, and I did, like I mentioned, when I was uh, doing my, my round of funding, I did have an advisor. So I did kind of bring people in kind of as and when needed, because I just think it's, you know, to do something completely alone is also, you know, it can be irresponsible when you need to rely on other people's expertise and, you know, understand that people have more talents than you in other areas that can really support and uplift what you're doing. So I think I, you know, I managed to balance the fact that I didn't have a co-founder by bringing people in where I did need help. So um, that's probably why I didn't get get that that question or pushback so much, which I'm, I'm very thankful for. Yeah, that's great. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, Live Kindly, as it was, Live Kindly Media now was acquired by the Live Kindly Collective. So, like, massive congratulations, you know, from me and Judy. Uh, I know we've spoken offline about this, but, yeah, it's a great achievement. And I think you're one of the the first of this new wave of entrepreneurs that started around 2015-16 to lead a, a really successful exit. So I think just massive, massive congratulations from us on that. Thank it's you. really Thank great. You. Um, obviously, going through the M&A, the mergers and acquisitions process, is, is a quite a unique weird thing and like do you have any sort of how firstly how was it for you and do you have anything you'd like to share with entrepreneurs listening who maybe in the future this this discussion of the acquisition that had been happening for over a year um it was really kind of up and down and I was so I guess naive in thinking that when we first had that initial conversation I was like oh, okay yes this will be done in a few weeks and um, <laughs> and I will kind of run the business as normal and but conversations change and there's so much back and forth and negotiation and and there were certain things that I definitely wanted to you know remain um, within the business and and there were very kind of like 
sensitive for, for me to, I guess, you know, just really talking about the integrity behind Live Kindly and just not wanting wanting to lose that. Um, but yeah, as it came to it, you know, as we were kind of closing the negotiations, I did become more and more comfortable with it. And to see that the acquiring company now Live Kindly Collective, you know, really aligned with with our mission and they were just kind of doing that specifically in the, in the food space. And I had a great relationship with, uh, with Blue Horizon, who are, you know, the owners of the Live Kindly Collective and they were our major investor, yeah, our main investor previously um, to that. So, so I had a lot of time to kind of learn about them and understand and really kind of trust them. And so I think that that really helped with making the decision. And um, so I, I'm super happy that that it came through, but it, it yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an easy transition, and I've, I've kind of had to tr- transition now from being very much a control freak and, and wanting to kind of like remain as an entrepreneur and, and leading that direction, um, to now working among like a, a whole collective of brands and obviously the the CEO, CEO of the Live Kindly Collective as well. You know, so the re- reporting dynamics have completely changed and. My job has kind of completely changed, but I actually think, you know, this decision was made for the for the best for the company, taking my personal kind of, um, you know, experience out of it. I, I think that I wouldn't have made any, any other decision because in terms of the impact that we can create now, the reach that we can build on, and the fact that we can kind of be a catalyst for a lot of these, these brands that are coming into the collective and more as well is um you know something that that I would have only ever been able to to dream of like three and a half years ago when I started the company. So I'm very happy with that. And then you know also on a, a personal kind of like note now I'm super happy because now I'm I'm actually able to have a team around me that can support and you know really building and accelerating what you know my vision for the company was. And doing that by myself just was not possible and not feasible. So having that opportunity is something I'm I'm hugely grateful for. And, you know, for, for me, it was just, I just needed to adjust to the change personally and just to know that the integrity of Live Kindly would remain. And and obviously, I, th- I think now that, that the collective have taken on the name, I think it's, it's not only remaining, it's being accelerated and amplified. So I couldn't have, yeah, I couldn't have wished for a better outcome. It's very strange to think how much has happened, and I think probably same for you. But how much has happened in the space in the in the last kind of five years or so? It's 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 insane and it's super exciting. And I still think you know we're just at the very beginning as well. So it's crazy. Definitely, it, it must be strange for you to see the Live Kindly Collective is you know it's everywhere in the press and Live Kindly you know was a name that was really well known within I guess the movement of conscious people who are conscious about change in the world. But now it's it's really well known around the world. But it's, it's you know, really interesting project to kind of accelerate all these brands. So it must feel like, it must feel weird, but like a real sense of pride in that as well. Hello, Damien here, co-founder of Feevolution. So at Feevolution, interviewing great founders is just one part of what we do. Our mission as a company is to create a world where plant-based and cell-based businesses grow faster in their work to create solutions for a better world. And as a founder, I've been through several investment rounds. I can tell you they can be a long drawn out process. So earlier this year at Vivolution, we sat down to create an ecosystem and powerful tool to help startups and investors find each other quickly and efficiently. This new platform is now in a live beta. 
We have hundreds of startups currently fundraising on the Feevolution platform and are being seen by professional investors looking to fund the next generation of plant-based and cell-based businesses. For investors, you can learn more by visiting www.feevolution.com investors and joining is simple and we've already had founding members including Blue Horizon Corporation, Dismatrix, Veg Capital, Carol United, New Crop Capital, Capital Fee and more. And if you're a startup, you can join right now and it's free. Simply head to feevolution.com and upload your investment round. And we look forward to seeing you all there to create solutions for a better world together. So you're really open about kind of your mental health um, and talking about it online on your social medias. Um, I'm just curious to know like how you handle your stress your stress and pressures of kind of being an entrepreneur and running you know your company especially in the kind of growth phase and if you have any advice for other founders who may be struggling with their own mental health um that would be great just to hear kind of yeah your your thoughts I think that it's important that more people have these open conversations because and, and it seems to be happening a lot on social media right now which I, I really love and that's actually probably been you know, a good thing and a bad thing being on social media, seeing that other people have the same experiences, but also being so consumed by social media, really, I think everyone knows how, how damaging that can be for, for your mental health for, for many reasons. And so feeling that pressure to have a presence on social media when, you know, when actually it really doesn't do anything good for your mental health can be a really difficult balance to strike. And so for me, I think it's, I'm still learning and I'm very much, learning you know how to be productive and prioritize certain things that need to be done but also creating boundaries that I can really kind of start taking care of myself as well I would say for the first like three years of, of the company I really didn't do any self-care at all and it would be you know sleepless nights and um yeah I mean I, I didn't kind of make time to, to exercise or move my body or eat properly or cook for myself and, and really kind of have a social life and I think to an extent I feel like it, it needed that at the time to get to where it was um, but it, it's not sustainable and at, at a certain point you really need to kind of take a step back and um, this is why I'm so thankful to have a team now which is, is so excellent and what they're doing that I can really kind of have that time to to take care of myself because if you don't if you don't make time to do the self-care, then you're not going to be doing, you know, your work to the best of the ability that you can. And so it becomes a really vicious circle. And so, you know, with me wanting to, to create such a big impact, it's important that I look after my health so I'm able to do that and I'm able to have time to think. And I, I think that a lot of people, myself included, don't appreciate the amount you know, the, the time that you give yourself to think and to process and to kind of sit there and not necessarily look at your emails or be online, that is also work. You know, you're processing a lot of information. This is when some of the most creative ideas can come to you. And if you have just such a clouded mind because you're so kind of absorbed in, you know, well, I must, you know, clean my inbox today and I must do this. And you know, the to-do list only grows longer. It doesn't get shorter. You always find more things to add to it. But I think that, you know, appreciating that having that time to think and to process um, 
that is also part of work and it's a really kind of like necessary part of it and it's and it's a really productive thing to include it's so true though me and Damien have like almost a daily kind of chat about that and like about not making yourself feel bad like you know we're we're constantly trying to kind of you know create this balance of you know you know we're so in our work but then having that kind of life life kind of balance as well and being able to kind of do you know meditation or yoga whatever it is but see friends yeah see friends but then also not making yourself feel bad if you don't do it because it might be one week you smash it and you do it really well and it all falls into place and then the next week you're just putting this pressure and then you make yourself feel bad if you don't do it and um that can be really damaging because it's about just like celebrating the times you do do it and sometimes you've got to be like well today didn't happen no i'm not going to make myself feel bad try again tomorrow it's always tomorrow yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's the thing it's it's the guilt i think the guilt is just really like it's it's a difficult thing to to navigate and and what i still haven't really figured out i would say is like you know that balance of having that that drive and that kind of like i guess like motivation and obsession with you know creating such a big impact but balancing it out with um you know looking after yourself as well i think that sometimes you just feel like you're just never working hard enough and and I think, again, you know, going back to the fact that, that at the end of the day, what we're doing is activism, when you kind of boil it, peel it back to really why you're doing this and you think about the animals, and you think about the climate, and then you get absorbed in, in the, the horrific news stories that you, we're seeing every day right now. I mean, that, that added guilt, you know, the external guilt that's coming in on top of it is just so overwhelming. And so, again, I mean, this is kind of why, why we're creating the content that we're creating at Live Kindly. But, um, but you know, I... I I, I, you know, I get wrapped up in this too. I think everyone does and everyone feels kind of like they're not making uh, a difference. And so, so yeah, it's, it, I don't think there's any kind of like one answer to it. It's just something that we all kind of just need to, to be mindful of. Yeah, 100%. I like that. So one of the things both Live Kindly and Feevolution are passionate about is platforming women and really promoting them within the plant-based space. Like, So one of the things we're trying to talk about more in this podcast and, you know, with our work is what we can do as a plant-based business movement to sort of help lift more female founders up. And I, as like one of the really prominent founders in, in this space, female founders, we'd love to hear your, your opinion on this. I think that it's important to, as we talk about, you know, diversifying who we're talking to and the voices that we're amplifying, that we need to all be very proactive about it. Because I think that, from my perspective, and maybe there's even data around this, but I don't think that women really kind of are the people that like to shout about themselves and to to really like, I, I, I need a better word, but to boast or to really showcase themselves and to talk about, you know, their accomplishments or their achievements. And, you know, they're, they're very much kind of, I would say, from what I've noticed, at least in this space, a bit more humble and, you know, would be more likely to amplify other voices. And so I think that, you know, in order to be a platform that is amplifying women and also just diverse voices in general, you know, we need to be the ones to reach out to these people and give them that opportunity rather than kind of waiting passively for them to come to us. And so this is, this obviously doesn't make it easier, but I think it's essential that, that we are the ones creating the room and the opportunity and um, and being invited and being very proactive about targeting, reaching out to these women um, and, you know, showcasing them. So, 
this is this is something I think that we're probably going through a very similar phase right now as we're talking about, you know, evolving a lot of our content. We're very conscious of this too. Um, and so I don't have all of the answers and I'm very much kind of like looking to, to learn as well. But I, I do think it's hugely important. And, and as well as I look, you know, to since the acquisition, you know, the the companies which are part of the collective, I mean, they're fantastic companies and, and as is as is the Live Kindly Collective, um, but there are not enough kind of like, there's only myself as the female founder. And that's, you know, that's just, you know, how it currently is in this space. Um, and so I think it's also important for me as, as a, as a learning from this is like, I, I do need to be kind of talking about my accomplishments and our accomplishments as a company and, and myself as a female entrepreneur, you know, it's, I'm also guilty of kind of not talking about all of these things. And, and I think that once more women start to do this, um, it, it kind of almost gives permission for other women too as well. It's, 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 you know, men do this all the time. They talk about how successful they are and, you know, how amazing their business is. And, and that's, and that's great, but, but we need to, we need to be more confident as women to kind of do that ourselves. And I think you're spot on with saying about, you know, kind of organizations and people doing the research and reaching out to people. Cause you're completely right. I think, you know, from our experience, when we've reached out to, to a lot of the women who've either spoken at our events or spoken on the podcast, we have been met with like kind of a resistance where they don't feel like what they've done is, you know, kind of, what, yeah, or like they don't, they don't see what they've done as kind of like big enough to kind of be on a podcast or on a stage. And like, you know, and that's only happened with a couple of the guys that we've approached and it's happened to the majority of the women we've approached. Um, yeah, so it's, it, and you know, we've had to kind of really take time to kind of really help to help them see how much they've achieved and it's not all women obviously it's we don't want to generalize but from our experience of you know what we've done with evolution it has definitely been the majority and i think it's really important for organizations to to reach out and to especially with the early stage founders i think as well because i think you know in order for that for that kind of gap to to kind of be bridged like we need to be supporting and uplifting kind of the early stage founders not just women obviously like we're saying like you know kind of black owned vegan businesses and you know people of color founders and like it's really important because if that bridge isn't kind of you know um if that gap isn't bridged then the opportunities won't be there in terms of investment in terms of the exposure and it's really important like that we try and do that especially from the early stage to help get people you know from kind of the startup phase to the scale up phase because i think that is something that there needs to be a lot more work especially in the investment world one one thing um someone we know well emma sinclair friend of evolution uh, been at many of our events she closed a big funding round for her tech business called enterprise alumni last year and she made sure that 50 percent of the board seats went to women investors so right. like that kind of initiative as a founder having that in your head when you're doing your fundraising it's sort of little things that I think we all can be thinking about mm-hmm. and um because I think once you have that diversity in the, in the boardroom it should hopefully help make it easier to have that throughout your company as mm-hmm. well so mm-hmm. um yeah we're we're in this together we'll share we'll share how we get on definitely <laughs> so we're now at the quick fire question rounds <laughs> I'm scared um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I always build it up and everyone gets scared and it's totally fine. Um, So just answer these as quickly as possible, sort of one-line answers if you can. Um, So firstly, why do you get up in the morning? I'm still excited about the movement every single day. I'm like, what's new? What's happening? You know, what new product is on the market? So for me, I'm just like, I love seeing real real change happening in real time and being part of that. You know, I have major FOMO if I if I sleep in too long. So <laughs> <laughs> can definitely feel that as well. Yeah. <laughs> what problem are you trying to solve with your business? 
I think we just want to turn, you know, the veganism on its head and just make it accessible to everyone. Whether you label yourself as vegan or not, that doesn't matter. But being part of the solution is really what, you know, the goal is with with Live Kindly. That's great. Um, What resource or factor has had the biggest impact on your business so far? Probably the internet. (laughs) Without the internet, we couldn't do any of this. So I'm very grateful for for having access to the internet. Yeah. What are your top three books or podcasts you'd recommend to entrepreneurs? Really love the, okay, this is, this is not going to be the quickest answer. I'm going to try and (laughs) condense it, but I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts when it comes to like veganism and all of this kind of stuff, because I really need like a place for escapism. And so for me, I get more inspiration and like creative thoughts by listening to stuff that would just completely like maybe sometimes the opposite to the way that I think, because I feel that I can maybe connect with the audience that we're, you know, we're trying to, but also really just disconnect at the same time from, from being kind of so focused on this. So again, from like books and podcasts, it's probably not what people would expect. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan because I disagree with most of the things that he says, (laughs) but I find it super interesting. And I find that I can learn so much from listening to people like that. And then, yeah, in terms of books, yeah, I don't have a specific book to kind of recommend, but I would say again that like escapes and it's more about personal growth for me. And, um, you know, the more I can kind of learn about myself, the more I feel that I can be of value to the company and to the relationships that I'm building. So it's never never really anything specifically focused on business. I tried to read business books and I just got super bored <laughs> with them. So for, for me, it's, it's really about personal growth and making sure that I can be the best person possible um, in relation to everyone that I'm, I'm kind of working with in and outside of work. That's great. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started Live Kindly? Many things. <laughs> there are many things. I mean, I'm, I'm learning kind of every single day. So I think it was, I think it's more, you know, me learning that I will never know everything and being okay with that. <laughs> um, and yeah, and just continuing to have that hunger for learning as well, I think it's good to have, but, but you know, accepting that other people know more than you, I think is a super, super valuable thing to know. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome so far? Yeah, probably myself getting in the way of the business. Like I've always wanted to, you know, make the decisions that are best for the business. But yeah, the challenge of the the acquisition, you know, that was really when it came into prevalence where it was like, you know, personally, I, you know, would want to do this because I want ownership and my ego wanted me to have ownership and complete ownership of whatever I was doing. And to kind of accept that and to allow for other people to be more involved in the direction um, because it would create the biggest impact. You know, this is best for the business. This is best for the movement, best for the cause. I needed to take my ego out of that. And so, you know, I was probably someone who would say, oh, I don't have an ego. This is all for the mission and it's all for the movement. And you know what, for the most part, it it obviously is, but it was very, it was a very interesting learning experience for me to feel like okay I do have an ego in this and like I do need to set that aside when it comes to something as important as this so that was that was a very interesting experience for me and um yeah very I, I, I've used this word too much throughout the podcast but very very transformative you know part of my personal journey there 
I think it's a good word to use, yeah. not used it too much. Um, <laughs> and lastly, what do you do to keep yourself sane? Uh, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I I think that, you know, for me, it's, it's that escapism, just like I mentioned with the podcast and, and the books and everything. It's like making sure that I have time to to really think about other things because it's very easy to let veganism and this movement define you. And, you know, that doesn't define me as a person. I have many other interests and um, passions. And I think that, you know, you can completely lose yourself in um, when you're working to create such a big impact that that becomes you and the only thing that people know about you and the only thing that you end up knowing about you because all of your time is spent in this. And so, so for me, it's really about, you know, just making time for me and my other interests and, you know, finding other hobbies and stuff. And I think it's just such a healthy thing to do. And it's so nice to to be able to make room for that now. So, so yeah, it's, it's exciting to feel like a, a regular human being sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been great to have you on the show. And um, congratulations again on the success of Live Kindly. And, you know, it's it's just the start of this next chapter, which, you know, is super exciting for both you as an entrepreneur, but I think all of us as um, as a movement, you know, caring about positive change. So, yeah, great. It's been great to have you on. Yeah, it's been amazing. And where can people connect with you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, so if you go to livekindly.com, there is a contact page there and you can send us an email at hello at livekindly.com or you can DM us on livekindlyco on Instagram as well. So we have a team who's super responsive and yeah, we really love connecting with our community and, and we're looking forward to kind of growing and, growing and accelerating that, um, you know, over the coming years as well. So Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me here today. I, I love everything that you do too. And I see so many synergies in everything that we're working towards. So it's it's always great to connect with like-minded people. And yeah, I, I can't wait for the follow-up podcast yeah. next year and see how much has changed then. <laughs> we'll book you in. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we'll catch up soon, hopefully. All right. Thank you both. Hello, Damien here, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Plant-Based Business Podcast brought to you by us here at Feevolution. So if you head on over to feevolution.com, you can join our community of investors and startups and people building solutions to a brighter future. And if you enjoyed this show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive review. It really helps us in getting the message out there and getting more people to discover all the positive stories that we're sharing. You can, of course, give us a social media share. Please tag us at Feevolution. We're on all the social media channels and you can email me at damien at feevolution.com if you want to reach out directly. Uh, we love hearing from you, you listening to the podcast. I'm honestly amazed at all the messages we receive and you know, it really gives us the encouragement to keep making this show for you and um, all your feedback is always appreciated. And as always, a big thank you to Bridie Addison Child who edits this podcast and for all our guests and all of you, our listeners, for supporting the show. So thank you and until the next time, bye.